It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 30-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. So there is some talk that the market has turned from a seller's market to a buyer's market. First of all, what's the difference? And secondly, are you seeing that? Well, the difference is obviously when it's a seller's market, the sellers have the advantage they pretty much can call the shots. Pricing. It's pricing. Pricing, strength. They're in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. When it's a buyer's market, that basically means there's a lot of inventory. So there's a lot of competition that the seller's competing against. So the buyer is in the advantage. Yeah. It's kind of like a tennis match. Mm-hmm. Whose advantage is it? So right now, it's not officially declared a buyer's market because to be declared a you know, switch in the market, it depends on a month of inventory, how much inventory is out there. So to break this down even further, Steve, in my marketplace, for example, it depends on the price point. So if you're in a million dollar plus price point, which is the luxury market, it's a buyer's market. Yet if you are in a lower price, say under 400,000, it's very much a seller's market. Mm -hmm. I will give you an example. I just put uh, submitted an offer with the buyer. It was listed at 319,000. One day, 16 offers. So that pretty much tells you where that market's at. Is that because you're not seeing decent homes at that price? That's exactly right. There's no inventory. Yeah. Yet on the on the flip side, I have another house at a million four fifty and I've had it on the market four months and one offer. Yeah. So prices are coming down on the luxury homes, but they're still relatively high. I mean Yes, they are. And that's that's the problem. There's less people with money and I guess they're just not willing to Well you know what a lot of it's just not reality. You know, they see what other people have put their homes on the market for. So they feel, well, my house is better. I should ask more. So a lot of it is just education. But the reality is it needs to be priced right. You need to be in that sweet spot. And homes are not selling unless you're in the sweet spot. Buyers are savvy and they're shopping. And if they don't see the value there, they're not making an offer. That's the bottom line, regardless of price point. So if there aren't many 300 plus houses of decent quality available, where is the real price in your market of kind of your your basic? Well, the value market or what we call the balanced market would be in the 500 range. It it, it starts to transition after 600,000. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good for people to know. Yeah. Right. I want to change direction here because we saw this article about support animals and these are emotional support animals. And it was actually a question that was posed. And the question was, I understand that our association has to make reasonable accommodations for people who have support animals, but do we have to have their dogs in the clubhouse, cafe, and other amenities? And I think they're talking about these emotional support dogs, not the disability. Right, not the service. Right, exactly. Okay. So you work with these kinds of communities. You're seeing a lot more of these ESAs? Yes. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the buyers say, you know, I have a pet, but I want to bring my pet to the the community. So unfortunately, a lot of people are abusing it and they're getting letters and now they claim their dog is an emotional support animal and they're getting away with it. I had a situation recently where she claimed it was an emotional support animal and truly I believe it was for her, Mm -hmm. but it's not the husband's, it was hers. So here he is at the pool with the, the emotional support animal without the wife. And somebody stood up and said, hey, dude, you need to leave with the dog. That's your pet. It's her emotional support dog. You can't be here with it. So there's a little bit of hostility uh, <laughs> in some of these communities. And I get yeah. it because, you know, dogs bark all night. You know, well, 
it's more than that. It's one thing if you have a disabled person and they need the dog They're as well a trained. service dog. They're Correct. well trained. They're extremely well trained. But it just seems that it has gone past that. And now Correct. another category has been created. And I'm sure there are people with psychological issues that need these. Absolutely. But, There's no question. And I know a lot of people that have emotional yeah. support animals and, and they're great. But there's a real need for it. The rest, quite honestly, it's hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you really feel. Yeah. yeah. And I love animals. Absolutely love animals. Now, I was talking to my producer, Erica Stamolo, and she said that she has an emotional service cat. Oh, not cats. And they I have was to be saying, a dog. <laughs> and I was saying, I think that's impossible. To have an emotional no, dog, you could, <laughs> you could dogs will let you love on them. Ah, cats are a, cat. a little skittish. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've had peacocks on airplanes and pigs. Pet, pet, think... yeah, pet uh, pot belly pigs. <laughs> <laughs> pet pot belly pigs. All right, so changing gears <laughs> once again. This is very good news. U.S. home ownership has hit its highest level since 2014. Yeah, that's great news. It's really good for the economy. When you have such high numbers, that means, first of all, you've got a lot of pride of ownership in neighborhoods. Yeah. You then have people renovating their homes. So it keeps, you know, carpenters, painters, roofers, a lot it's good of for people. The economy. It's absolutely wonderful for the economy. Mm -hmm. And it's healthy and it creates stability in neighborhoods. Yes. And this is what you know, as Americans, it's the American dream. So it's something that we want. We just have to make sure that it's responsible home ownership, yeah. which is what we weren't back, you know, before the crash where we allowed a pulse to be able to get a mortgage. Well, it, the amount of borrowing against the value of the home and also relative to the income of that person right. was questionable. Correct. And the banks are no longer doing no, that. No, so it's very healthy. There's a lot of equity in the homes. So it's all good. The United States added about 1.7 million owner households in 2018 and lost 167,000 renter households, according to the Census Bureau. Yeah, so basically what that tells me is we're not converting a lot of renters to homeowners. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of that it has to do with lack of education. I don't know that renters really realize that they can purchase a home with 3% down. Yeah. And if you break it down to what a payment would look like, in many cases, it's a lot cheaper to own a home payment-wise payment versus renting. And you can do it with as little as 3%. So yeah. I think a lot of it is lack of education. And then the millennials, of course, they're saving up money. They're purchasing houses. And that's why we see that number higher. Many of them are double income. Double income. So uh, we used oh, to they call dinks? them dinks. <laughs> right. Yeah, there were dinks and uh, there were silks. Silks. So dinks were double income, no kids. And silks were single income, lots of kids. <laughs> And with that, we end our episode with Terry Story, a 30-year veteran with Keller Williams, located in Boca Raton, Florida, and can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.